John, we were talking about it uh, before the show started. Let's be outraged. Kevin O'Connell, not one of the finalists for Coach of the Year. What are all these people thinking? Uh, totally disrespectful. Once again, why do they not hate Minnesota? And why they don't they know Minnesota. where Minnesota is? It's flyover country, I guess. We don't live on a coast. We're not a big market. Never mind that one of the finalists, I think, was from Jacksonville, and one was from Buffalo, and one was. You know, then we've got Philly, San Francisco um, and New York. So that's just, hey, that that's our lot in life. We are continually discounted. We are to continually looked over and uh, we're going to use this as motivation going forward. No doubt about it. Uh, I'm motivated by it. And I don't even <laughs> I don't belong to the Vikings organization, but I'm motivated by it. It does remind me to <laughs> uh, combination reality and paranoia from Minnesota. I mean, there is some reality to the paranoia. Uh, when I moved here from Dallas, I remember, and this is 1989, and I'm going around telling people in Dallas, my neighbors, my coworkers, all that, uh, not so much my coworkers, more kind of Cowboys fans and neighbors, people like that. It's like, hey, I'm going to move to Minneapolis. I'll move to Minnesota. I swear to God, 70% of the people I told that to did not know where Minnesota was. <laughs> I do I do not doubt that at all. I lived in Alabama for a little while uh, while I was climbing up the chain uh, for, for uh, journalism, and I mean – it might as well have been Minnesota may as well have been, you know, in Africa for, for all anyone knew down there. So that's uh, it, when you, you know, you, we kind of live here and this is the center of our universe and this is home. And, and we kind of just, we feel like everyone should know, but you, 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 you don't have to fly very far to understand um, kind of how off the radar we are up here. And that's okay. Keeps the riffraff out of here. And uh, let's, you know, people don't know about the quality of life. But all those things, it's a little cold in the wintertime, but you go ahead and keep to your other places. We'll we'll stay here just fine with our little bits of traffic, our good schools and our good roads and 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 go that way. And you know what? All those other places, they don't get the benefits we do of living through winter. They don't get exactly the right. exercise. And, you know, I mean, they have their fancy yoga studios. We get to fall down on the ice and scramble around. It's pretty much the same thing. And our, our, I believe like we look younger longer because our skin is preserved um, in, you know, in the frigid, uh, by the frigid temperatures. And so like, you know, you look at people who live in Florida, their skin is leathery, like ours is pristine because of it. So it's kind of nice. Okay. You kind of lost me there. I looked like I'm 140 <laughs> years old. That's of course, true, I lived I, in Dallas for a while, so I could you, you blame, I could blame the South. Yes, it, it was too long. You lived down there way too long, and it, by the time you left, it was too late for you. I'm glad we we worked all this out. All right, now should now to be almost serious, should Kevin O'Connell have been on the final list, and should he have been a true contender for the actual prize? Well, I mean, I I do like I I think he did a great job in his first season he certainly far exceeded expectations and the team far exceeded expectations for what we thought going in and but then you you look at the finalists Nick Sirianni uh Kyle Shanahan Brian Dable McDermott and Buffalo Peterson in Jacksonville like they they all did great jobs as well um and and so it's hard to really argue I guess like I might take uh put O'Connell in for Peterson in terms of if it's more based on the regular season the Vikings had a better regular season obviously you know Jacksonville um with Trevor Lawrence and kind of the the little the success they had I it certainly deserves uh mention as well but I think that Kevin O'Connell did a fantastic job and really laid the groundwork going forward for a successful career and stay in Minnesota. So if he wants to be offended by it, I wouldn't 
necessarily blame him. I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't blame Vikings fans for believing that their guy should be long, at least in the finalists, if not, if not winning it, but there was a lot of good, good coaching jobs this year. And the five that got selected as finalists, it's hard to argue against. I would put O'Connell in for McDermott. Mm, okay. uh, I think he took the team that was thought to be the best in the AFC and they weren't the best team in the AFC. Right? So I think if you're comparing, you know, I think that's how coach of the year usually goes. Is how much more did you get out of your team than was expected? That's why you just don't automatically pick the best, the coach of the best team. Uh, I would put O'Connell in for McDermott and I would be tempted to give, if it were my decision, I would be tempted to give the number one spot to either Sirianni or Shanahan uh, based on my philosophy that it's harder to be great than it is. To, it's harder to go from good to great, uh, and it's harder to overcome injuries at quarterback than it is to go from bad to average. I think the league is set up for people to go from bad to average. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's certainly a good argument, and I guess you could also you could also uh, make a case for uh, O'Connell over Dable just because like the, the Giants had a great year, but – the Vikings won 13 games yep. like, you know, and, and so now if we're basing it on playoffs as well, um, yeah, then you give it, you, you definitely give it, you give Dave all the edge, but just in terms of the regular season that they put together, I think, you know, the Vikings were better, but I think one thing that this does reflect uh, the finalists that do reflect it's that it, it's that there was a question about how, real the Vikings success was for much of the season. Um, and you know, with all of the one score wins with, with all those things, um, you, I, I think there are still, you know, lingering doubts about, did they get lucky? You know, it was the, was the rabbit, uh, were they pulling the rabbit out of their hat too often kind of a thing. And so that may have actually ended up hurting O'Connell a little bit when it came to the final, I don't even know voting or selection or, or how it goes. Um, but in terms of just laying a foundation and, and becoming a good leader and, and really kind of making this franchise as much his as it is anyone else's, I thought he did a terrific job with it and certainly um, should feel great about the season that he had and, and trying to build on this going forward. I will also say I think that winning close games when you have a terrible defense and you need to get just the right amount of, you know, clutch and big plays out of your offense, uh, I think that speaks to coaching. Yeah. So I would actually give him credit for that. Uh, this this season, if he hadn't coached them as well as he did, could have been a disaster. They could have lost. You know, if they lose half of their close games, then you know this is a you know a nine, nine and eight yeah. team or yep. something like that, and we're sitting here disappointed. You know, so. But, you know, I, I don't really care about awards. I just like talking about the rationale behind the awards. Let's get now. Let's let's shift to me talking to John as if I'm Stefan Diggs and he's Josh Allen here on the Viking Update show. This is part of TalkNorth.com. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Uh, thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. You can also go to talknorth.com and see all of our shows. We keep adding on. We've added Joe Anderson uh, to Mike Grimm's Go for Go, Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast, Dave Leaves. These, Dave Lee's show. You think Dave Lee would be an easy uh, name to say? Cheryl Reeve, John, the John Krasinski show, Jeff Diamond, John Millay, Michael Russo, Anthony Lapanta, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal. Check it all out. Outdoor content as well. We do do appreciate you listening. Uh, so let's 
let's get it. I mean, you almost knew that at some point Stefan Diggs would snap because that's who he is. It took a while, but he finally did snap. Yeah, he did. And and I'm trying to get my head around what degree of a snap this is because when he snapped in Minnesota, it was uh it was a huge snap. It was yeah, I'm not showing up to practice. It was trade me. It was all of those things. At least in the early going here, this feels like a snap of frustration that they did uh, under deliver when it came to the playoffs, that they were not able to go where he and so many expected them to go, and that he's mad about that and he's frustrated about that, but that um, they can move past this and figure it out and go forward. Whereas it seemed much more existential with Minnesota. Now we'll see, this could just be the very early stages of a meltdown that continues. And this will be a test of Buffalo's uh, infrastructure, leadership, all of those things to see how they go about trying to reel Stefan Diggs back in because the Vikings clearly could not with Mike Zimmer, with Rick Spielman, with Kirk Cousins. They just did not have the authority in Steph, Stefan Diggs' eyes and the trust level in Stefan Diggs' eyes to bring him back and get him on board. Uh, will Josh Allen and Sean McDermott, and it was a Brandon Bean, I think, is the GM, will mm-hmm. they be able to uh, relate to him in a different way? We'll have to see. But um, but right now, yeah, this is, a, this is a little early warning sign. So how Buffalo handles this going forward – will probably be uh, a huge storyline into the offseason going into next season about where Stefan Diggs' head is at. Yes, and uh, I don't think that was a good look doing it in that situation. Uh, I don't think it was a good look doing it to Josh Allen. Is at you know, probably at le- very least, even if you don't think as highly of him as others, he's at least a top-five quarterback in the NFL, uh, plays his guts out, uh, takes hits, a great teammate, all those other things. I will say – that uh, you know, the germ of what Diggs was getting angry about was accurate. Uh, he, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, I don't think Josh Allen had a good decision-making season. I think he had. Uh, he's always an inspirational player, and he always makes spectacular plays. I don't think he had a great season making decisions and and uh, you know running that offense. And so I I get why Diggs is upset. Just the wrong place at time. Yeah, exactly. And I I think that um, I I totally understand Diggs just as a competitor right like he thinks that this team is positioned and the window is open for this team to win now and they have to absolutely maximize it um in a way uh because these windows can close quickly and so there is a a push from Diggs to be as absolutely as best as they can be and and take advantage of the opportunities that are presenting themselves right now because who knows how long they're going to have these opportunities. And so that part of it you sympathize with, you you admire uh that you know he he wants to go for it and he he sees it right there and he's he's super competitive, but given I guess so far the credibility that that organization has built up over the last couple of years in the way they do things and the team that they have built and how they operate, it feels like it can't be a situation where 
when things go wrong one time, this is how you react to it. And I think that's the concern it for it, if you're looking at it and, and if you're if you're trying to kind of figure out what you have with Stefan Diggs, like the 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 best competitors get frustrated and use it as motivation, but they don't show up their teammates. Um, they don't snap at the first sign of adversity. Um, and, and so the, they're the ones that are trying to pull everyone together and and get through it. And some and Stefan Diggs didn't do that here, although I don't necessarily blame him as much here for given the situation that he was in. But in Buffalo, he's got a great situation, and it feels like that's one that should be more met with a a cooler head and just like, hey, let's figure this thing out together and 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 get where we need to go rather than you know, kind of the petulance that maybe we saw um, in the game at that time. But we've said it time and time again, Jim, on the show that receivers are a different breed. And whether it's Randy Moss, Chris Carter, you know, all the all, so many of the great ones, Terrell Owens, all these, they, they you have to deal with a level of maybe self-absorption of, you know, of, of ego. It seems like with that position as much as any, yeah, there's Jerry Rice and Larry Fitzgerald um, and some of the quiet ones, but, um, but by and large, you, those receivers, you just have to pay a little tax, a drama tax on. And I think they're paying that right now on Stefan Diggs. I'll also say Jerry Rice occasionally would pop off too. If he wasn't getting the ball, he wouldn't, he wouldn't yell at his quarterback on the sideline, but he would say something in the media uh, about hey you know they got to remember uh, they got to remember me that and usually it was probably more geared toward the coaches but still he would handle it during the week he wouldn't handle it on game day all right let's get mm-hmm. to some Vikings issues uh, once again we were brought to you by the Aquarius Home Services Studios thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Scott here, your Aquarius Home Service guy. Is this the year you're ready for worry-free water? Ready for spotless dishes and shower doors? Ready for worry-free drinking water? With on-demand efficiency, Connecticut fixes problem water. And as your independent authorized Connecticut dealer, Aquarius is offering $250 off a new non-electric Connecticut system when you trade in your old electric softener. Schedule your free water analysis today at ConnecticutMN.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Defensive coordinator search, there are a lot of what I would say fairly, you know, pedestrian names out there. I'm not saying they won't be good coaches, but they're not names that make you jump up and down when you see them. Um, You know, you have uh, defensive coordinators from New Orleans and uh, Seattle who play for defensive-minded coaches. You don't know exactly how much they have to do with success at their places. Uh, But then again, you could have said the same thing about Kevin O'Connell last year, and he did a very good job this year, so they might be very good coaches. The name that grabs me, as a possibility is Brian Flores. Uh, then if you get Brian Flores, you're getting an excellent defensive coordinator who is also a good head coach. Uh, I think he would be a home run hire. I think he would immediately elevate the defense. I don't know if they have a chance of getting him. He also has some head coaching interviews. But if they could land him, I think that's the biggest win they could have this offseason. I mean, it's certainly the biggest name out there, the one who has, I think, the most credibility um, given the track record that he did ha- that he does have. And here's one thing that I really like about the marriage, a potential marriage between Brian Flores and uh, Kevin O'Connell is that if there is any kind of concern about Flores, if there's if there's anything like that, you could you heard from some people in his Miami days 
look, this guy's a hard charger and he sometimes can rub players the wrong way or he can challenge players and um, and it doesn't always kind of hit home. Um, but Kevin O'Connell clearly has a great hold on the locker room, has an unbelievable relationship with players and a way of going about it. And so there could be a nice balance there between Flores um, and O'Connell just in the way that they approach the job. So, um, yeah, I would love to see uh, Brian Flores as, as a, a, you know, a lead candidate. And I will, I'll be honest with you. I think that he is attainable because I don't think any, any NFL team is going to hire him as a coach, given the litigation that he has going on. Like, you know, there's just the, the, the wall of silence or whatever you want to call it within the ownership groups. Um, I, I believe in that very much. And I believe that he's going to be penalized for that for a little while. And so um, I don't believe that's right. I think that's that's wrong of him to be sort of ostracized like that. But um, but that's just the, 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 the nature of the political game that is being played right now. So I, he may get interviews, and they will probably be, be token interviews, much like the Giants gave him. And um, But in the end, I would be shocked if, some, if another team hired him for, to be their head coach this off season. And so I do think that he's going to be available for a prime uh, assistant coaching job. And he has a nice uh, position in Pittsburgh, but, um, but coming here and being a defensive coordinator could well position him uh, to eventually become a head coach again. And so that's why I think that it is a realistic possibility that you get someone like, like Brian Flores, but you know, other other candidates too, like you said, Jim. We don't know. I mean, we didn't know Mike Tomlin when he first got here, mm-hmm. and he turned out to be great. We Ed Donatel, we kind of knew a little bit, didn't work out so well. So it kind of depends on the fit. It certainly depends on the personnel they have going forward to see what uh, what what's going to be the right choice here. We can get more deeply into roster decisions in the coming weeks. We'll have a lot of time to do that. Uh, and as you know, we do all of our shows year-round. We, we Sometimes the off-season shows are even more entertaining because uh, we can get you know, deeper into deep subjects. Uh, but for today, let's do a quick thumbnail. Uh, so the three categories you can choose, keep as is, rework the contract, or cut uh, with some key veteran players. So I'll, I'll mention a name and tell me what you would lean toward uh, in dealing with them. Dalvin Cook, keep as is, rework his contract, or cut. Well, so here's here's the, the always the question that I have, you know, it, 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 the, for me, the, the, the answer is rework the contract because I still think that he's young enough and, and can be impactful enough that uh, that he can be a real help to this team. So many players that, you know, will take pay cuts to leave and go to another team, but they will not take pay cuts to stay. And so when you ask a player like Dalvin Cook, to take that pay cut and and stick around. What is his overall attitude? How is he going to feel about it? Um, and you you wonder about sort of locker room harmony and things like that. So um, I I guess I a long answer to say I would try to restructure the contract of Dalvin Cook because I do believe that he can still be a weapon for this team, um, but at the at the the price that he's making right now, plus with the injury history that he has and the relative um, depth of of the running back position and being able to find people to come in 
and contribute. I think that that one is a case of you should not leave him as is because he can be replaced as cold as that may sound. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, I, I think Dalvin Cook is better. He's their best running back. He's better than anybody I think they would get at where they would want to take a dra- uh, running back in the draft. Uh, he's probably better than anybody you would get on the free agent market. He makes a difference. He had big plays that won games this year. But I just think that uh, O'Connell being a product of the Rams uh, mindset is not going to want to pay a significant amount of money to the running back position. There are just too many teams that have won with cast off running backs, including the Chiefs, including the 49ers before they got McCaffrey, including the Rams. Rams won a Super Bowl with nobody playing running back. Uh, I just think that's where they're headed. I don't know exactly how it's going to play off Cook. Because Cook, you know, it's it's one thing to not care about the running back position and just find and just find, you know, Raheem Mostart and have him play well for you. It's another thing to get rid of a really good running back who did help you win games. Yeah, especially one that yeah is is still in his athletic prime. I mean, you know, I I don't think that I'm concerned right now about Dalvin Cook about the tread being off the tire there. I think that he still has several good years left in him. This is not a case of uh of a running back hitting a wall from an age perspective and is ready to fall off a cliff physically that way. The only the, the only question you have about him physically is to, you know, can he stay healthy? Does he, you know, is he, is he just too banged up? But from a just overall wear and tear standpoint, I think he's okay that way, which is why I, I still think he's in the running to keep around here. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know what? Uh, these are probably all lengthy discussions when we talk about people like Cook and Thielen and Harrison Smith and all these other guys. So I think we'll do one every week or, or a couple every week instead of stretching this show out and trying to get all of them in because we, we're probably going to have a lot to say about each individual. Uh, for today, let's go ahead and preview the the uh, NFC and AFC championship games. Bengals at Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes dealing with a high ankle sprain. 49ers at Eagles, maybe the two best uh Rosters top to bottom in the NFL, uh, both with young quarterbacks who uh, are very impressive in their own ways. Let's start with Bengals at Chiefs. Uh, Joe Cool against a guy who might be the greatest quarterback of all time, but ha- it, you know had really bad timing here. He's going to have to play this game against a good defense with a high ankle sprain. Yeah, that that I mean, certainly the high ankle sprain makes it makes this thing really intriguing, right? Because I I believe that the Bengals may even be favored now um, in Vegas, just given Mahomes' injury. I have real concerns about the Bengals' offensive line and how banged up they are, but they did help hold up really well last week and uh, and helped Joe Burrow and 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 the Bengals really kind of you know upset the the Bills, and so. Uh, I'm going to pick, pick the Bengals just because I, I just love Joe Burrow so much. Um, I think I just I, I love everything about the way that he goes about his business. And I do think that the injury to Mahomes um, kind of puts a little bit more of a ceiling on a Chiefs team that has not been like the best team hasn't been operating on all cylinders for much of the season. Like they've been really good. They piled up a bunch of wins but it hasn't been what we've been used to seeing from the Kansas city chiefs. And so I always, I thought they already entered the playoffs a little bit more vulnerable than, than we normally believe them. And then this high ankle sprain is probably going to limit Mahomes' uh, mobility uh, against a very good Bengals defense. So I'm going to take burrow to make the big plays down the stretch and go back to the super bowl again. How about that? The Bengals 
in back-to-back Super Bowls. That's crazy. Amazing. Just amazing. Uh, and I, I agree with you. I think the Bengals win this. And, and you know, what we saw out of Burrow last week is not just big plays and accurate passing and cool and leadership and running in just, at just the right time. We all saw, saw him absolutely minimize – uh, the fact that he had a reworked offensive line playing in front of him. Mm-hmm. It, you, yep. If you if you didn't know that he had injured offensive linemen, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have known they had offensive linemen. I mean, he just injured. He just made he got he gets rid of the ball so quickly and makes decisions so quickly. He can minimize that. Not many quarterbacks can do that. And that's yeah, it, it's the sign of a great quarterback. But and here's something else too that I mean. I really believe that he has a way of leading that team that gets the players around them to play at a higher level for him. Like they really believe in him. They, they, they love him. They want to do great things for themselves, for the team, all of that, but also just for Joe. And so I, I, you, you watch the way that he goes about being the face of that franchise and balancing kind of the swag, the, the, the style, like all of those things with an ability to sort of like deflect and, 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 uh, you know, prop up his teammates and things like that. It's a hard thing to do. Um, it is a really, really hard thing to do. And Joe does it really well. And so when he gets a backup left tackle and when he gets a backup right guard in, whatever it is, man, they, they come in and they want to do great for themselves and put it on tape and give themselves an opportunity and all those things. But man, they also don't want to let Joe Burrow down. And I think that's a huge thing here that you can't discount. 49ers at Eagles. Uh, again, two great rosters, two really well-run uh, organizations, two really good coaches. I, I Sirianni, like Dan Campbell, came in and was kind of a goof at his first press conference. And I was like, how's this guy going to lead a team? But there's there's obviously a lot more there. They've uh, helped – all credit to Jalen Hurts. They've also coached in a way that has allowed Jalen Hurts to t- absolutely take off this year. They got a ton out of their running game, combination of Hurts and their backs. Miles Sanders had a great year. And, uh, the Brown addition was perfect for what they were doing and what, what Jalen Hurts needed. Now they have two dynamic outside receivers. They have a very good tight end. Uh, they have a distinct home field advantage. They have a good defense. Uh, I really, this is one of those games I don't know how to pick it. I really don't. I guess to let you have the last word here, I'll pick. I guess I'm going to take the Eagles. Uh, I just trust Hurts more than I trust Purdy. And I think home field advantage might, in this case, might actually make make something of a difference in a close game. I'll take the Eagles win a close one. Yeah, I I think it's going to be ultra close. I was slightly concerned about the Eagles going in because Hurts was coming off of the injury and you didn't know how he was going to look and if they were going to be at full strength. He looked very good um, in in the last round. And so I'm less concerned about that at all. Um, and so, yeah, I think the Eagles are are ready for this, that, that home field. You, we've both been there. I hate it, but it's really good for the, for, uh, for the Eagles and they have a decided home field advantage that way. Um, that said, I just think that San Francisco is so tough mentally. I love the way that Brock Purdy has carried himself through this. I, you know, so I'm going to take the Niners mostly just to have a little bit of a difference between the two of us, but also because I really believe that defensively they have the talent to match up with Philadelphia's explosive offense. And I think Kyle Shanahan is a really, really great uh, schemer, play caller, 
and, and he can really set up that offense to be successful against a really good Eagles defense. So I, I, I could, I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think it could go either way. I'll take Niners Bengals. I remember flashing back the Joe Montana, Boomer Esiason, uh, Bengals Niners Super Bowl was one of the first ones that, that I, as a kid, was really cognizant of and was really into. And so let's go full circle and bring it back, Niners Bengals, uh, this time around. The great thing is we're going to have an interesting quarterback matchup no matter what happens. I love watching Burrow. I love watching Mahomes. Uh, I'm very interested in watching Purdy and and Hurts. For me, Hurts against Burrow, two great leaders, might be the best matchup, but I'll take any of the possible mock matchups. Hey, uh, for John Krasinski, for Brandon Morton, uh, for Aquarius Home Services, this has been the Viking Update Show. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.